You are Locked On the NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Welcome to your favorite day of the week. This is Locked On NBA. I am Anthony Irwin. I am joined, as always, by Adam Morris. Adam, the Nuggets won a big game. Their their playoff chances are up to 48%. Are you feeling the excitement? I am feeling the excitement, and I'm back on the bandwagon. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a believer. Doom and gloom for three straight weeks. We're back, baby. We're back. It only took like five consecutive miracles. We're back on the wagon. All it took was Devin Harris going out of his mind, Carl Anthony Towns fouling out, Andrew Wiggins being abysmal against the team without Jimmy Butler. But we're back. We're good. We're back. We're going to talk more about that game. We're going to have a Would You Rather segment about the Wolves and the Nuggets, which, which organization is a better spot moving forward. And then... Uh, We're going to allude to and we're going to feature a clip with Locked On Celtics' John Corrales talking about Kyrie Irving's injury. We're going to quickly touch on what that means for the rest of the playoffs and the regular season. And then we're going to have a little bit of fun, send everybody off into the weekend the way that we usually do. We're going to play a a more or a less specific game of Would You Rather. (laughs) I've got some great ones for you. I'm really excited to, to hear your answer on. Yeah, and, and as Harrison will tell anybody who listens to us, I'm low key evil, so I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty excited <laughs> about uh, torturing Adam with a, with a would you rather. All right, so as always, make sure you guys are following the show on Megaphone, Panoply, iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, Alexa, all of those good places. Adam writes; he's the EIC of Denver Stiffs. You can follow him on Twitter at Adam underscore Morris. You can follow me. On Twitter, at Anthony Irwin LA, I am the EIC of Lakers Outsiders, and I host Locked on Lakers. Adam, you were in the building. It was rocking. It was a – I, I shouldn't have been surprised, I, I sh- you know, by the crowd and, and all that thing. But I, I found myself like, wow, these this city is really into this team. Has that been like a season-long thing, or is it just kind of built as the season yeah. went along? You know, you know, Denver's a transplant city, and so as a result of being a transplant and very, very rapidly growing city, I think it's the second or third largest, gro- quickest growing uh, major city in America. And with that, you get a lot of like bandwagon fans and people that will show up to your games when as evidence when things by are you going well. hopping on and off of the bandwagon. <laughs> That's right, I'm back on. No, but uh, you know, so so Denver this year, the the Nuggets have been more exciting than they have for the last several years, and I think right around the end of Bronco season, the uh, <laughs> wow. Pepsi Center started to fill up quite a bit. So it's been good crowds this year, and it was a good crowd tonight. It was it was really fun to watch. It was I thought it kind of ushered in playoff basketball. I thought it was it was ugly. You could kind of see with some of the guys taking some of these shots that you you, you can kind of see it holding on their, to their finger just a little bit longer because they're thinking about stakes when they're releasing some of this stuff. Uh, but the Nuggets pulled out a big one. And, and, you know, we kind of joked about Devin Harris needing to go off and not playing against Jimmy Butler and, and – uh, Carl Anthony Towns fouling out, but but this is a statement win for an organization that kind of sort of needed one. I feel like. 
Well, this is four in a row for Denver, tying their season-long winning streak. Um, and in a time when they need it, they basically needed to win out to to make it into the playoffs, and that still is true, I believe. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of nervous in, energy in the building tonight, from the fans to the players, and I think it's one of those things. Energy is a funny thing because I think everybody could kind of feel just the tenseness. You know, there was excitement, but it was also just this like tenseness in the building. And I thought both teams played that way. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned playoff basketball. You know, I was talking with Matt Moore of the Action Network today after the game. Really great writer, great basketball uh, personality. And he, he's talking about a, a comment from Danny Green in the 2013 NBA Finals where he said, you can't always play the style you want to play. You work all year to build an identity and do these things, but you can't always play the way you want to play. And I thought that was really the story of this game for both teams. Mm-hmm. Denver wanted to play a certain way. They're this high-powered offense, as is Minnesota. But both teams just couldn't make shots today. And both teams kind of had to it, – it's that famous Mike Tyson quote, everybody has a game plan until you get hit punched in the mouth. Mm-hmm. Well, I thought both teams were punched in the mouth. And Carl like, Anthony okay, Towns well, actually punched in the mouth. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. And it was, it was one of those things where everybody had to go to plan B and just find a way to win. And uh, for Denver, I think this has been the case for all four of their wins. All four – two overtime games and a bunch of down-to-the-wire games – or a couple of down-to-the-wire games – They've really just had to find ways to win that aren't necessarily characteristic of themselves. I want to touch on Carl Anthony Towns and, and the Wolf stuff, and I'll and I'll just briefly make this point, and I'll let you keep going about the Nuggets. But it's still like I hold teams that I that have players that I like or that I think have super bright futures are on the precipice of being superstars if they aren't already there right now. Giannis in Milwaukee comes to mind. Carl Anthony Towns in this example. And I just find myself like, yes, I understand ball movement's really important and all of these things. And that the modern NBA, you don't go to, you know, you don't just throw the ball into the post. You don't go straight isolation. You move the ball around as much as possible. But I find myself screaming, I don't want Andrew Wiggins to have the ball. I don't want Teague to have the ball. I don't just, right. just get run a couple pick and rolls and get the ball to Carl Anthony Towns because good things are going to happen there. And I just think, I don't know if it's a matter of, I feel like they're both overthinking the game and oversimplifying the game at the same time. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think one thing that that I've really learned about this season from from covering the Nuggets and you know being inside locker rooms and all this stuff is when you have young teams and even though Minnesota has a lot of veterans, they they're the Carl Anthony Towns, Andrew Wiggins, two of the most important players, especially without Jimmy Butler. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're young guys, and I think when you have young teams like this, it's easy to want the fully optimized version of a team. But it's just, again, it kind of comes back to this, everybody has a game plan until you're punched in the mouth. There's certainly ways, I think, that the Timberwolves could better utilize Carl Anthony Towns' skill set. But with young teams, part of the battle is that's that's just not ever going to happen. Very, very few teams are able to kind of get the most optimized version of themselves. And I think that's true of both the Nuggets and the Timberwolves this year. They're figuring out how to more frequently get to what works for them. But they're just I, I just think that's kind of what you live with with young teams. Um, and, and, and so, yeah, and, and one of the other storylines for tonight and really every time these two teams play each other is who gets more shooting possessions because both teams like to play big, um, relative, you know, skilled bigs, but big, and they both like to pound the offensive glass. Well, in this game and in the first quarter, Minnesota had two extra shooting possessions. Denver got one extra shooting possession in the second. Minnesota got seven extra shooting possessions in the third. And I just thought that was really the biggest battle. I thought in the fourth quarter, Denver was able to kind of get the boards, and it's fitting that 
effectively the game winner of yep, the game was, was a Nikola Jokic that. offensive rebound. Mm-hmm. But I but I really do think that was the key battleground for this game, and it was the key battleground for all of the games that they played this season was who can get more shooting possessions um, and, and just more opportunities. Nikola Jokic is the most effective player I have ever seen who walks the way a child walks when they're told to go to their room. <laughs> like I've never <laughs> – it's it's incredible. I pointed it out to my wife, and it just so happened that he was called for a foul, and he did let like tan- tantrum walk away from the referee. <laughs> my wife <just laughs> died laughing. I thought it was great. We're and it was t- an interesting game. Real quick, one uh-huh. one last note for him. You know, six of twenty. I think it was a bad game. Uh, shooting. You know, from from him shooting. You know, finished sixteen, fourteen, and nine. So near triple double. But I'll say one area of growth for Jokic this year is that he doesn't go six for twenty last year. He goes mm. three for t- three for twelve. Yeah. And then he's done. And and this is a year where I think he's really learned, especially in the last month, that the team needs him to score through hell or high water. And six for 20, some nights you have those and you just have to fight through it. And I thought he did that. That's a great point. That's a very good point. All right. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about these two organizations, because I feel like next year we might we might be having the same exact conversation that we're having under the same same exact circumstances, because <laughs> these two teams, these two organizations seem kind of aligned and we'll get to that here in a bit all right so what we're gonna do we're we're playing we're just gonna ask the question would you rather be the nuggets moving forward or would you rather be the minnesota timberwolves moving forward and uh it's an interesting conversation because you have both teams have feature young budding stars at the center position in Carl Anthony Towns and Nikola Jokic. The big major difference is Jimmy Butler being a a tried and true star, all-star, perennial all-star for the Minnesota Timberwolves, whereas Denver is still trying to figure out that either that actual guy, if it's Jokic or whoever that guy is going to be moving forward. So I'll ask you the question, Adam, who, who would you rather be? I think it's relatively an easy answer, and of course I'm biased. I'm the host of Lockdown Nuggets and and manage a site that's dedicated to the Denver Nuggets, but I I do think that it's it's the Nuggets by quite a bit. I think the difference between Jokic and Towns, whichever way you fall, is relatively close. Um, I think I personally have them significantly closer in terms of their upsides. You know, I I think both players are are really really cornerstone type talents, um, but I do think Towns is a better player, so they get the edge there. But Denver has Jamal Murray. They have uh, Gary Harris, Harris. And, and they've also got you know a handful of other young players like Trey Lyles, for example, Juancho Hernan Gomez, who I think are really really good sort of third tier type players, good role potential role players that could mm-hmm. fit in. Um, whereas Minnesota, it really is Towns and Wiggins, and you could talk about Tyus Jones, who I I love, yep. but I think he's like a, a high level backup point guard. Um, and Wiggins, I think, is a guy that tonight, you know, he was a minus 13, four of 12 shooting, nine points, and it wasn't as good as it sounded. <laughs> like, he really, I thought, had a really, really bad night, and and, and I'm pretty low on his skill set. So right now they made a lot of moves to kind of go all in for a short term with Jimmy Butler leading the way, but I'm not sure that they have a whole lot in the cupboard three, four, five, six years from now um, to really be able to build, a, like, a sustained dynasty or, 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 you know, a perennial con, uh, playoff type team. So I think it comes down to, I, I, you didn't mention the coaches. I think it's kind of a draw when you're talking about the two coaches 
at, at just the coach and, and just the coaching roles. Yeah. The difference for me is that Malone doesn't have organizational power. <laughs> and, and, and Tibbs, Tibbs does. And I think he's, st- I mean, as evidenced by picking up Derek Rose and, and, and Todd Gibson has been great this year, in my opinion, but and he's he, a great player. Yeah. And, and, and that was a great signing, but you kind of wonder as with all of these coaches who, who get organizational power, are they going to favor guys who they've coached before? Right. Is it, it's a, it's a weird kind of basketball nepotism uh, that, that kind of comes up and, and Tibbs having that power right now makes me a little bit more wary about that organization. And then the other thing that you didn't mention is that the Nuggets don't have a Wiggins contract. Yeah, and, that's, and that's big. That's going to be an albatross moving forward because if he doesn't develop, if he doesn't become 60 70% of, of the value of that contract, then that's a disastrous move. And that, and that hamstrings what they're going to be able to do moving forward. And, and, uh, and, you know, you mentioned the, the peripheral guys. I really like Gary Harris. I, I do like Jamal Murray though. I kind of wonder how those guys are going to, to, to work out moving forward together. Um, and, but, but still, I think I would, I would go with the Denver Nuggets. I think it's closer than I, than you're leaning right now. Um, but it's, it's, it's one of those things that I, I legitimately think that having a star in house in Jimmy Butler is that enough to make up for what else is going on the other questions with the Minnesota Timberwolves and that's that's where you know i we i need to see jokic become a, an actual bona fide superstar before it becomes such an easy question uh between the two organizations I think I'm I'm probably a lot higher on Michael Malone than you are, because um, mm-hmm. I think I, I I'm also pretty skeptical of Tibbs. Um, obviously, he's had an incredible amount of success and as, as a head coach with Chicago and, and as assistant in Boston. Um, I I don't I do think I do wonder if some of his ideas are a bit antiquated, especially on the offensive end. Yep. Michael Malone, you know, he's going to be such a polarizing figure with with Denver, but. The bottom line is the team has improved every single year with him, and he's missed players to injury all season long. One of the, the hidden secrets about this Nuggets team, and one reason I think they are actually better than what their record says and even better than what they performed is Paul Millsap, Nikola Jokic, and Gary Harris have barely played together this season because it's just when one gets healthy, the other got hurt. Mm-hmm. And those three guys are easily the three best players. I mean, by leaps and bounds, the three best players on the Nuggets roster – and for them to just never play together, I think we've always gotten a sample of what they could do. We've never really actually seen it. Um, so Michael Malone, I think, uh, less significantly less concerned about the fit than I am with, with with Tibbs. Yeah, I think that's that's all fair. And and you mentioned injuries. Unless you have anything else to add between these two teams, uh, you mentioned They're injuries. Both bright future, though. By the way, it's funny whenever you compare p- pit two things like this together, it sounds like you're high on one and low on the other. I'm actually high on both teams, mm-hmm. and I think they'll both be very interesting. I I'm I might be biased, but I think the Lakers belong in this conversation too if they land Paul George. But we can move on. We can move on, and we they didn't even play <laughs> on team. Come on, Anthony, just <laughs> just give it a rest. You know, I've been. <laughs> In my in my defense, I've I've spent the last two hours waiting for you to record, going over different playoff scenarios in which Paul George can walk away from the Oklahoma City Thunder. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah. it's, this is on you. All right, so we're gonna we're going to. You talked about the injury bug that has bit both of the teams that played tonight, both of the the, the teams that we just covered. 
uh, Jimmy Butler for Minnesota, and then the various guys that you alluded to. The injury bug bit, not necessarily today, but it struck again for the Boston Celtics. So we're going to open up the next segment with a clip from John Corrales of Locked On Celtics. He's going to give the update and the background on what's going on with Kyrie, his analysis, uh, because he is a local expert on, on a local story. Adam and I are going to touch on that, and then we're going to move on to our fun game to send you off into the weekend, our Would You Rather game. John Corrales here from Lockdown Celtics to talk about the breaking Kyrie Irving injury news. He is going to have surgery on his left knee to remove screws that were implanted in 2015 when he fractured his patella. Now, you might remember a few weeks ago, he had surgery on that same knee to remove a supporting wire that was also part of that same injury. Now what they have found is an infection at the site of the screws. So they're going back in. They're going to take the screws out. They're going to clear up the infection. The Celtics say his knee is structurally sound, but it's going to take four to five months for everything to recover and for him to get back to playing basketball. The Celtics focus has always been on next season, especially after the Gordon Hayward injury, but now they definitely will not have Kyrie Irving back for the playoffs. After the initial surgery, they had thought maybe he'd return at some point in the first or second round. Now that is out. So the immediate impact for the Boston Celtics is Terry Rozier is probably going to move into the starting point guard role, a role that he has served well for the Celtics so far in Kyrie's absence and in Marcus Smart's absence. They hope to get Marcus Smart back at some point in the first round. He's got he's had that thumb surgery to repair a torn tendon, so hopefully for the Celtics that he comes back, but immediately they will not have Kyrie Irving for this playoff run. It's going to be tough getting out of the first round for the Celtics. If they do and they get to a second round, that's going to be especially difficult. So I'm sure teams are going to start lining up hoping to play the Celtics in that second round. That specifically would be Cleveland. Long term, they say the knee is structurally sound and they hope to start next season with a healthy Gordon Hayward and a healthy Kyrie Irving. And the Celtics' priority has always been that. So... We'll see how that goes, but right now there's no further damage. It's not another injury. It's not a separate thing. It's all part of the same thing to clear up what they had done to fix his knee in 2015, and this should remove every apparatus that was in there, and once that's out and healed and the infection is gone, Kyrie Irving should be good to go. We'll see. That's the breaking news. I'm John Corrales from Lockdown Celtics. All right, so you heard from John Corrales about everything going on with Kyrie. Just really quickly, Adam, how do you think this, in my opinion, doesn't really affect it because I didn't see the Celtics as a legitimate threat to really anybody in in, in the Eastern Conference. It, I, it still, to me, comes down to LeBron because the Eastern Conference remains the Eastern Conference. Well, it affects it in that we we all wanted to see Kyrie in a playoffs suited yeah. up in, in green. I, I think it affects everybody's sort of enjoyment of the postseason, especially with Eastern Conference basketball. So, but the other thing, and this actually, you never want to say it, it, it's a blessing in disguise because it's certainly not that. But one bright side for it was I was with you. 
I thought Boston was a team that was really playing closer to their potential than than most. And going into a playoffs, everybody's game kind of raises. And and I'm not sure that Boston. I think Boston was in for a little bit of a letdown in the playoffs. I think Philadelphia is a, a heck of a team. I think Cleveland obviously has LeBron. I think Toronto's a heck of a team. Um, and then there's some other teams that have some guys that that really can make a series interesting. Now the pressure is completely off of Boston, in my opinion. The pressure is a little bit off of Brad Stevens, who again I think would be under the microscope unfairly, in my opinion, but under the microscope for good regular season success, no playoff success, because this team, quite frankly, is going to be a really, really young team, very, very shorthanded and unbalanced team, and I don't think anybody expects much of them. Yeah. Do you see a first-round exit for the Boston Celtics now? What's interesting is it really depends on who they play, and and the standings are so interesting in in that conference as well. So it depends on who they play. but yeah, I could absolutely see it. I just don't think that they are that good. And again, I think they've been—they're one of the teams that execute so well. Well, in the playoffs, everybody's going to execute a lot better. And I'm not sure that they have another gear they can go to, especially without Kyrie Irving. Yep, I would—I would tend to agree. And and almost regardless of who they play, I would probably take the team that they are playing in the in the first round at this point. I, not 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 to you know. And again, everybody's going to say, "Oh, the Laker fan is down on the Celtics." No, it's it's really that you're going to you're going to be relying on a bunch of young guys in the playoffs, uh, and and everything that's going to be going on there. And and there's some hungry teams at the bottom of the conference. Um, all right, let's let's enough enough down talk. Let's have we, some fun. Yeah, I would. It's agree. Friday. I would agree. Uh, Everybody listening to this, I hope you have a beverage in hand. This is going to be fun. Adam, I'll let you start. You were really proud of your would you rathers. I you were really proud of these. Well, mine are neither offensive nor rude, so I am Uh very proud of 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 them. But I think they're great questions. And Anthony, I want to know: Would you rather have Curry's jump shot or Westbrook's speed and athleticism? You personally, by the way, not like. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I would rather I would rather have Westbrook's abilities. And, this, and here, this blows my mind. Here's 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 why. Here's why, because it's really rare that I'm going to step out onto a basketball court and actually play basketball <laughs> at this <laughs> point at this stage in my life. So like, just to be able to like at any given time jump up and and graze the bottom of a bridge <laughs> where wherever I happen <laughs> to be standing, like that would be really fun. Like that'd be a really cool way to to show off. You're you're saying you'd rather be Steph? I think if you just imagine your pickup game or your YMCA game, whatever you're imagining, if you had Curry's jumper, you would score 50 points every game. Like in, <laughs> in a regular, just recreational setting, nobody could stop Steph Curry's automatic jump shot from 30 feet. I, I think it's. I think a lot of what's going into this too is that I am portly, so like the idea <laughs> of a. <laughs> It would be awesome. Like a a 5'10 fat Mexican kid walking out and just dunking on everybody (laughs) would be incredible. All right, my question for you. Your life is on the line. You have to either score on LeBron or stop LeBron from scoring. Which one do you have to go with? I'm definitely scoring on LeBron, and I think I think Adam. So I was on like, NBA out of context. Adam Morris says he's going to score uh, look, on LeBron. LeBron's got some game, but 
you know, I've got some moves he's never even seen before, so yeah. I'm going to score on him because I'm not stopping him. <laughs> I think... But scoring, I'm totally doing that. Do I get Do I get Russell Westbrook's athleticism for this? <laughs> That's <laughs> good. That's right. <laughs> um, all right. Which, which one... What did you take? What was your answer for that? One? I would probably go. I would probably go with uh, letting or trying to defend him because I would just you know maybe there's a chance he misses. Right, unless he unless he <laughs> just decides true. I'm gonna dunk. Whereas like if he just decides I'm gonna lock you up, there's no chance. I, I have no chance against that guy. I would try to explain to him that my life is on the line. He might he might. <laughs> <laughs> he seems like a nice guy. I would I would go like you know you're supposed to assume the fetal position when a when a grizzly bear is going. In. Like, right. If I just like lie down on the ground, maybe he'll trip over me. So my next one for you: mm-hmm. Would you rather take a charge from Julius Randle? Oh. Or get blindsided by a screen from Steven Adams. Ooh. I think the Randall one, because there I can kind of brace myself and <laughs> You can flop. Yeah, You're like I try can, to I, <laughs> I'd be you know how have you noticed that LeBron has been trying to take more charges lately? Like have you hey, watch him try to take one. Like before anybody's even close to him, he's falling backwards. And that would be me. Randall takes one dribble at half court and I'm on the ground. <laughs> it was like, whereas with Steven Adams, there's no avoiding it. I'm getting hit really hard by a really big dude. Which would you go with? I think the charge too, for the same reasons you said, there's a video on YouTube of Steven Adams setting screen oh. blindside screen. It's like, he actually, I think, enjoys it. Like, he looks for people whose heads are turned. It's like, oh, I'll go set it. Even if it doesn't matter, the screen does nothing. It's just like, ooh, a chance to go knock somebody, ring somebody's bell. So that that looks to me like it could have long-term effects on me. <laughs> Whereas the Randall one, I think I'd get over in a week or two. Uh, the, the funny thing about Steven Adams, the crazy thing to me about him is, like, we talked about last show about how he just, like, gets over every play, but... He gets legitimately compared to Aquaman, and in reality, he is much bigger than the actual Aquaman. <laughs> That's right. the crazy thing. All right, my, my, my final question, my final would you rather. You have to spend the rest of your life debating basketball with a Kobe stan oh God. Or, or an obnoxious know-it-all who just doesn't let you make a, let you make a point. What's the difference? <laughs> the Kobe stand doesn't know anything. <laughs> um, man, oh, I get man the the Kobe stand. I guess. <laughs> I mean, you're basically asking like a Skip Bayless versus a Kobe stand or something. And uh, you know, I, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with the Kobe stand. Kobe stands are very annoying, but nobody takes them seriously. <laughs> <laughs> I think I would probably go with the Kobe stand as well. Like, there's nothing worse. You're smarter than me, and you at least let me make a point here every, every so you. often. Was like a Kobe <laughs> stand. Like, you know, at least I know going into it that all right, I got this over that person. There's, there's and some... I get the appeal to Kobe's also. Like, yeah. I really enjoyed Kobe's tenure, but but yeah, the Kobe stand thing is pretty funny. <laughs> you know, most people that are really really love Kobe are really really bad to play basketball with. That's my experience. That's anecdotal, but that's uh, that's my yeah. experience. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's just like people who really like Steph probably shouldn't be shooting like Steph, <laughs> you know. And they yell Curry, <laughs> <laughs> Curry, Kobe. They airball a thirty footer. <laughs> we do. It's cool that we have that just straight transference of 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 utterances while you scream while you shoot. All right, that'll do it for this episode of the Locked On NBA. 
show Friday edition. As always, follow Adam on Twitter at Adam underscore Morris. You can find him on Locked On Nuggets and at Denver Stiffs. You can follow me on Twitter at Anthony Irwin LA and Locked On Lakers and Lakers Outsiders. Hope you guys enjoyed this. We try to have a little bit of fun. Crazy, crazy week ahead of us. It's going to be insane. The Western Conference, you have, what, four teams within a single loss of each other? So make sure you guys are following uh, and come here to Locked On NBA and follow your various Locked On teams as you're getting ready for the playoffs. All that good stuff. Thank you, Adam. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And we'll talk to you again next Friday when we have the full playoff picture ahead of us.